My name's Scott. Um, if you're new here, we're really glad you are here. Um, this morning I had something really funny. My garage door opened up, and uh, I don't know who did it, but uh, somebody, somebody put two really big pumpkins, like nice ones. The only consolation is they had to pay money for these things. So they had one that said, hi, Scott, and it was all friendly, happy face. And the other one had a little tiny X-Acto blade stuck in it with a little note. <laughs> and it said, make the services shorter. <laughs> yeah, what do you do with that? That's hilarious. So I'm just taking that's a joke, and I'll be praying for your salvation as we move on. So uh, turn uh, to Joshua chapter 3. <laughs> Joshua chapter 3. Over the last several weeks, we've been uh, going through this series uh, called Engage and um, talking first about engaging in life rather than going down this road of just so busy, so jam-packed, but coming to Christ for life and uh, then we talked about engaging in priorities uh, rather than assuming we know what needs to be done and, and kind of frittering our life away with things that aren't really a priority, coming to Christ and saying, Lord, what, what's your list? How does this work? And then this last week, talking about engaging in sacrifice in, in a culture that says don't avoid all those things. And uh, we're coming into our final uh, week uh, this morning uh, talking about engaging in consecrate or to consecrate, which is a, it's kind of an old-fashioned word. And um, the, the word comes, you know, as you read through the, the Bible, there's all kinds of stories of people that were called by God to consecrate themselves. There's actually story after story, and it's, it, it means to dedicate, right, or to set yourself apart for someone. Um, and in this case, God was calling, you know, Israel over and over again to consecrate themselves to him. And, and there's some famous ones in the middle of that. So Israel is comprised of 12 tribes, uh, 12 sons, and uh, every tribe got a portion of land except for one tribe. And not every tribe, in fact, only one tribe got to be called to the priesthood. It was called the, the tribe of Levites, or Levi was the son, and therefore everybody and his descendants were part of the Levites. And, and God said, I want you to concentra concentrate, consecrate this tribe to be the ones who are my priests. They don't get any land their inheritance is to hang out with me. You know, if, you, if the world hears this, the world would look at that and go, oh, give me land or give me hanging out with God. Which one seems more concrete, right? Well, the Levites got the better portion. They got Christ or they got God and, and, and him, Christ, obviously triune God. Christ wasn't revealed then, but they got to be with Christ, set apart for Christ. I mean, that, that's a famous one. Um, where someone was set apart, consecrated, dedicated uh, to God. There's another one which is interesting, and we're going to look at this in Joshua. It's this famous moment. So rewind 40 years from this moment, same location. 
Israel had this opportunity to go into the promised land and, and to the land flowing with milk and honey, right? God was going to give it to them. It was going to be awesome. Yay, everything. They send out spies. Ten, Twelve come back, right? Twelve spies went out. Twelve come back. Ten say, ah, let's not do this. Two say, let's do this. Come on. Game on. God can do it. And the other ten are like running around like scaring everybody and they're all afraid. And so what ends up happening is Israel freaks out and says, no, we can't do this. And then God is so ticked off. And he's like, you're serious. Like, you're going to be more scared of them than you are of me. My power, my might, what I can do for you, what I want to do for you. Like, really? And they totally backed off. And so God, over those 40 years, waited for every person that was part of that generation to die before he would give the promised land to Israel. And so we're now 40 years here after that generation has passed on, and they're right there at the promised land, and, and, and they're ready to go in, right? Same location, same nation. And they'd learned something over those years, and that was don't miss out on this call when God says, consecrate yourselves, present yourselves to me, hang on. He's worth it. Keep your eyes on him. And here they are, and they have this choice. And God says to Joshua, I want you to call all the nation, gather them, right? And I want you to get them together and consecrate yourself. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. Joshua rose, actually in verse 1, Joshua rose early in the morning. They set out from the city, Shittim, or Shittim, or however you want to pronounce that, and they came to Jordan. He and all the people of Israel lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, so they're hanging out three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, being carried out by the Levitical priests, ah, interesting, then you shall set out, from your place and followed it. follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and about 2,000 cubits length. Um, don't come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. And then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I don't know if you remember Pastor Sean and I. This was... Uh, right early on when Sean came on staff and we tried to figure out how far a cubit was, 2,000 cubits. Anybody remember that video where Sean was walking in this field forever? Like it was like almost a mile or something like that. The ark's way out there. And Sean just kept walking and he had that little as he's walking along like his little, I just remember that, it was funny. So anyway, oh no, I was walking, wasn't I? Well, I am not going to say anything. <laughs> so, anyway, it's a long ways off. And, and he says, once that ark gets way out there, I want you all to consecrate yourselves, set yourselves apart 
for me. And, and I love this image. God's presence is walking through. Everybody's around, but the, the ark is walking through this massive nation, right? And the, the Levites, right? Because they're in. They get the presence of God. They're carrying it. The Levites are trekking through. All Israel's watching the presence of God walks, walk through their midst. And then God says, consecrate yourself. The entire nation. They've waited 40 years for this one moment. They all know what to do. They all know what it means because they didn't do it last time. They're all dead who didn't, and they've got their choice. This is their time. This is their generation. Consecrate. To dedicate someone, to dedicate something to the Lord. I mean, it sounds kind of weird to phrase it that way because it's such an older word, but do you see yourself as consecrated to the Lord? Do you see yourself? Like you are dedicated to the Lord and to nothing else and to no one else first. Like things come up in life, no, no. I can't do that. I'm dedicated to the Lord. I mean, you, you just wouldn't say that in a normal conversation. No, I'm sorry. I've, I, I'm consecrated to the Lord. They'd be like, you're, you're weird. Like, where do you get that word? But we know what that means, right? Are you dedicated to the Lord? No, I live for the Lord. Maybe that's a way we say it. No, I, I, I belong to Jesus. Can't do that. Forty years earlier, fear dominated the decision. Fear dominated it. It was scary to think we're going into this country and we are going to be facing war, battle. Those people are big. We're outnumbered. They're larger than us. All, all the things. And they just said, no, we can't do it. I think it's interesting that fear kept them from being consecrated. Fear can do that. Anxiety can do that. It can cripple us. It can shut us down so much that we really do believe that what we're, what we're encountering or what we're about to encounter or face is so much greater and so much more powerful and so much whatever that it really eclipses the Lord. You know, it's so interesting that the moon can literally shut out the light from the sun. And the moon is a fraction, a fraction of the size of the sun. I mean, how many, I can't, I, I don't know the right number, but it's a crazy like thousand, thousands and thousands and thousands of earths ha can fit inside the sun. Like massive sun. And yet the moon comes along and it's this huge object and it blots out the sun. It's like, ah! And that's what happens. It's so close to us, it feels like, and in relation to the sun's over here, earth's here, and the moon's like right here, and it gets right in front of us and it seems so big. And it blots out and covers up the light. And that's what happens with fear. Fear is this thing, it passes by us and it seems like it's so big and it's can't live for God. No way can I do that. I can't do that. Look how big it is. 
it literally threatens to block the light. And that's the problem with fear. It's all premised on light, or, or, or lies, rather. It's, it's, it functions in the dark. It functions with deception, pretending to be, prancing around to be this crazy, like, overwhelming thing that will destroy our lives. I mean, in fact, it's, it's just, all it is is lies. But it'll keep us just like Israel, from moving in, moving towards this life of being dedicated to him. You know, it, for me, it's these past, this past 18 months, two-year journey has been, uh, it, it's kind of a raw thing for me to share. I, I lost uh, my best friend and mentor. I've kind of mentioned that, and, and that's a whole tragic story in and of itself, but um, it has really, you know, even up to a couple of weeks ago, it has created this peace because this guy was, I went to him for so much advice about ministry. What do you do? How do you do all these different things? And it has left such a hole. I have never really struggled with fear in like leading, like, hey, we got to go forward, vision, all this stuff. I just never have struggled with it. And I find myself like literally overcome by fear. Now, I've, I'm pretty good at finding fear in other things. Like, I'm really good at it, and I've kind of gotten used to it, but it's, it's been a debilitating fear. Like, I don't know what to do next, and I don't have someone to go to. Fear can shut us down. It can. It can totally immobilize us. It, it can force us not to step forward. And it's like I'm talking with God, and, and I'm like, I'm trying to find, okay, so who's, who's going to be this next mentor? Or who's going to be the, and, and it's like God just says, no, 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 I'm going to do this for you. I want you and me I want you to come to me right now. I don't know if that's going to be forever, but to come to him to say, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do next. I'm scared of what to do next. You ever resonate with that? Like you're just immobilized by it, not sure what to do next, overcome by it. And I find myself thinking that these feelings, this reality, it, it just it, it, it eclipses God, right? It, it gets in front of God, and all of a sudden I can't see God because this feels so big. Nothing had changed in 40 years for Israel. Nothing. And yet here they are, and if you read through chapter 3, not one person raises an issue. Not one person says, well, what about that nation, and what about this nation, and what about fears? 
No, in 40 years, what they had come to understand as they watched person after person die of a previous generation, what this younger generation understood was that God is to be feared above all things. And that God is really bigger than all things. And what is left to us is to fall right there and say, this is where I fall out. I will fear the Lord and I am his. That's all I got. Consecrated. Because I don't want to do that, which was wander, which was watch people pass away who never really, really were consecrated to him, dedicated to him. I was reading this recently. It says this, there seems to be little point in a religion which is merely a weekly social event. What's the point of faith unless you and it are serious, like seriously serious, unless your religion fills direct stains and sustains your life? This is written by an agnostic. This is someone's like, ah, I don't know what to believe. I love it. Let me read it again. There seems little point in a religion which is merely a weekly social event. What's the point of faith unless you and it are serious? Seriously serious. Unless your religion fills direct stains and sustains your life. I, I love that stain, right? You ever eat a bunch of cherries or if you ever stain wood and you get it on you? Like it just, it's stains, you can't get it off your life. Is, is your, your faith, this idea of consecration, is this a social event for you? Like, you have dedicated your life to being part of something that's just a social event. You come whenever you want to come, and, and you socialize, and then you go home. But when it really comes to this idea of being seriously serious, like, Dedicated to the Lord. Yeah, I don't know. Fully engaged. Where God fills and directs, stains, sustains. What captures our imagination? What captures our mind? What captures our hearts? That, that we would stand in front of a God and say, I'm yours. To say to him, I am Holy yours. Did you, do you see God clearly? Do you see him for who he is? Or, or do, we, do we see the other things and go, yeah, I just, it's hard, right? It's hard. You go home and there's just all kinds of things to face. Things that aren't bad, but really good. Things that divert us 
that no one would call evil. Winston Churchill once said this. He says, the world looks with some awe upon a person who appears unconcernedly indifferent to home, money, comfort, rank, or even power and fame. And the world feels not without a certain apprehension that here is someone outside its jurisdiction, someone before whom its allurements may be spread in vain. See, rather than thinking of it as fear is what blots out, or maybe it is the allurements. And, and what stands out in this world is someone, when, when the world just spreads it all out in front of them, they just go, yeah, it's got nothing for me. I've, I've seen someone greater. I've touched the life of someone greater. A weekly social event or consecrated to the God of the universe. One of the things I love about this scene is God weaves within this moment two things. One is, I want you to consecrate yourself, but he does not do this apart from his presence. You read this. Read this again. Joshua rose early in the morning. They set out from Shittim or Shittim or how do you ever say it? And they came to the Jordan. And he and all the people of Israel lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the command, the camp, and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do the wonders among you. I love this, because he's like, he, he says, there's this picture of, of God, his presence going before them, through them, and they're all watching this, and he says, don't go anywhere because you're going to get lost. You've never been here before. God knows where, is he, God knows where he's going, right? And, and the presence comes through here, and he says, consecrate yourself, and, and the two are wedded. The two don't go without each other. And one of our fears as a staff is that, is that we got done with this Engage series is that everybody would just feel more weight, more guilt, more pressure. Oh, I'm not doing this. Oh, I'm not doing that. Oh, I'm horrible at this. I'm awful at that. And we didn't want that because uh, it's just not what we want. That's not what Christ calls us towards. What he does here is a perfect picture of, of God saying, consecrate yourselves, but he does this with us, his presence here. Hang on. Don't go off. I'll lead you. But my presence is here. Powerful presence. Consecrate yourself, for the Lord will do wonders among you. Consecrate yourself, 
Lord, I'm yours, and the Lord will do wonders among you. And, and, and it's not even before. God starts to move. His presence goes through them. Consecrate yourselves, and God's going to lead you. I mean, that, that's the sequence of this. Don't even move yet. Let me go out in front. I'm here. My presence is here. Consecrate yourself. And follow me. I'm about ready to do some wonders. I just uh, finished reading a book. I mentioned it uh, called uh, At the Foot of the Snows, the story of a couple that were missionaries over in Tibet. And uh, they'd spent, there was no language where they, written language where they went. It was all just tribal language, but nobody was getting an education. And, and how do you communicate the gospel? And, and so they were basically learning the language and then seeking to write the Bible so they could give it to this these people in their own words, their own heart language. And it took them, I don't know, seven or eight, ten years, something like that, to finally get a Bible printed. And it was crazy because they would, they, they, they were working this whole time. Nobody's coming to know Christ. Nobody's coming to know Christ. It's impossible, impossible, difficult. And, and it would just be so disheartening to just be planting seed after seed, year after year after year. And they finally lead one guy to the Lord. And then he leads another. And within a couple months, there's like a handful. There's like maybe, maybe 10 at the most. I think it was like seven or eight that were Christians. And all of a sudden, the, the, the missionary couple had to go back to the States for 14 months. They had the New Testament. They gave it to them, and they left. 14 months. They just led these people to the Lord. I mean, you look at the timing and go, this is, this is dumb timing. Like, my, my way would be no, now you've got it, let's let her rip, let's go. And, and God pulls them out. And they returned 14 months later, uh, and the, the Christians there told, told the story to them and said, when you left, we all felt like we had been abandoned. We all felt like orphans. And we all wondered the same thing. Is this God their God? Or is he ours? Is the presence of God really connected only with them? Or is the presence of God with us? Is he really here with us? And they said about three months into this thing, they were really discouraged. Because they kept meeting, this group of like seven or eight believers. They kept meeting, kept reading the word, but they were all discouraged one night. And they were all voicing that and just like, you know what that's like. And uh, in the middle of this time, a dove flew in and landed right in the middle and just sat didn't go anywhere, didn't freak out, just, and they got cats, so one of them got a basket and just gently put it over the dove, and they're like, what do we do now? And one of them had read Mark chapter 1, and he said, this, this is God. Not 
a dove, like physical bird, but this is God. Like, and he reads Mark 1 where the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, descended on Christ as a dove. And they knew in that moment it was this sign God's presence was with them. None of them went home. They stayed up all night praising God, praying, just celebrating the presence of God was with them. And you know what happened? Out of this presence, this moment of God being with them, they had already said, we're yours, but they, they, they just didn't have the courage. They didn't have the strength. They didn't know whether God, this big God, was going to be with them and go in front of them. And, and what happens out of this is they start sharing their faith. They start talking about Jesus. They end up leading like six to eight, ten people to the Lord. Six of them want to get baptized, and the missionaries are coming back. Hey, we got all these people. We, we need to get baptized here, and we're telling more people. This is unprofessional Christians, right? Right? I don't know what a professional one looks like, but these are the ones that would go, we have no idea what we're doing. We just love Jesus, and, and now they walk, and, and now they're just telling everybody about him. And that's the wonders, right? That's the wonders. That's what happens when people devote themselves to God and say, I'm yours, I'm consecrated to you, my life is yours, and God says, and tomorrow, hang on. I want to do something. I've been wanting to do something for a while. And what's sobering, folks, is we can lose this. There's no guarantee that we keep what God has been doing. There isn't. You can lose this. Our church is a perfect example of that. We lost it. This church died for 20 years. Lost a whole generation of people. Because the church wasn't desperate to say, I am yours and I don't give a rip what that means in terms of this world. It doesn't matter. I am yours. You've got to move. Do some wonders tomorrow. Do some tonight. I mean, what would it look like? I, I just, there's a part of me, guys, it, it's so tenuous. We can lose this. There's, there's over and over again, God says, even to this generation, consecrate yourself. Consecrate yourself. It doesn't stop. It keeps going every day. Consecrate yourself. I'm yours. I'm holy Christ. I'm holy his. There is no other. Is this a social event for you? Is Jesus just a social event and really practically this agnostic is describing your faith where it's just pointless. A weekly social event where you're hardly serious and God does not fill your life, direct your life, stain your life, sustain your life. I don't know. I, I just don't want to be. I just don't want to go back.
I just don't. I have no idea, and this may be unsettling to you, but I have no idea what the future holds, and neither do you for that matter. We can all have a moment of honesty here. None of us knows, but I do know what the history is, and I don't want to do it again. And I want to be a part of a church that does it again. And the problem is we can grow so big and we can assume it's up to somebody else and they'll do it and they'll do it and they'll do it. No, it's up to you. Will you do it? Will you devote yourself to him or not? Sorry. Just all. Ah, 